Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In Parshas Nitzavim, we find a Rashi comment which deals with diktuk, with Hebrew grammar. It also deals with what Rashi calls the pisukatamim, or the trup or cantillation notes by which the Torah is chanted. These are both subjects that many people um, tend to think that they don't know enough about, and therefore they skip Rashi's that deal with these subjects. But as I have mentioned before, when Rashi deals with Diktuk, and, and here where he deals with Pisukatamim, he is not doing so for the purpose of showing you what an expert he is at Diktuk, or what an expert he was with the, with the Tameha Mikra. He is doing so for the same reason that he does everything else in his commentary on the Torah, and that is to explain the simple meaning of the Psukim, and therefore it is really incumbent upon us to, to go through these Rashis and to, to glean as much as we possibly can from them. And in fact, as I've also mentioned before, uh, even if one doesn't know much Diktuk, Rashi is a very good teacher of Diktuk. Although that wasn't his primary, primary intent to teach you all the rules of Diktuk, but if you will go through the the Diktuk Rashis, if you go through those passages where Rashi deals with Diktuk for the sake of clarifying Shruta Shalmikra, you will find that Rashi is a very good teacher of Diktuk and you will develop um, at least um, some significant knowledge of Diktuk. Let's begin. In Parshas Nitzavim, we have a description of a person who very brazenly decides that despite all of the Torah's warnings, he is going to go and do idolatry. And he doesn't care. And he feels that all of the Torah's warnings do not apply to him. That's a topic for itself. But the Torah tells us, the Meshur Rabbeinu tells us, what a Kodesh Baruch Hu will do to such a person. This is Perik Haftes, Pasik Hashem Hashem will separate this person for bad. Hashem will deal with this person in especially bad way. Mikol shifte Yisrael. Hashem will separate him from all of the tribes of Israel. Kechol aloi sabris, according to all of the curses of the covenant. We have many, many, we had in last week's parsha ki savoy, many klolis, many curses that uh, that can be, that chas can befall us if we disobey the Torah. So here, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying that, that this person who brazenly serves idolatry, he is subject to all of the Aloy Sabris, all of the curses of the covenant, which is written, the Sefer HaTorah Hazer, in this book of the Torah. Let's take a look. Well, let's first go to another Pasuk in last week's Parsha, which Rashi is going to compare and contrast with this one. We have a Pasuk in last week's Parsha, where the Torah is, where Moshe Rabbeinu is enumerating all of these klalais, 
that can befall the Jewish nation if they don't behave. And after a whole long list, it then adds on one, one kicker, one final statement. Even every illness and every wound, which is not written in this Sefer HaTorah, Hashem will bring them up upon you until your destruction. So it's saying uh, everything that I've said and everything that's being written in the Sefer Torah is true, and even more than that. There are, there are illnesses and makais which are not written here, but someone who disobeys the Torah is subject to them also. Now, an obvious difference between the two psukim is in the phrase here in Parshas Nisavim, the Sefer HaTorah HaZeh, here, the, 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 the text uses the expression, the Sefer HaTorah HaZeh. Zeh is this in Lashen Zohar, in the masculine form. Here the Torah says, in Parashas Kisavai, the Sefer HaTorah HaZos. In the Sefer HaTorah HaZos, Zos means this, but it's in the feminine form. So let's see how Rashi deals with this difference. Before we even see how we deal with it, we will notice that in Parshas Kisavai, Rashi doesn't deal with the difference at all. And that is according to the basic rule that I've stated so many times, that if there is an apparent contradiction between two psukim, Rashi will usually only comment on it when he comes to the second instance, to the second pasuk that seems to be contradicting an earlier pasuk. On the first pasuk, okay, it's good. There's nothing wrong with saying the Sefer HaTorah in the book of this Torah, fine. Rashi's question only is when he came to the later psukim, to Parshas Nitzavim, and here he found that it was written differently. Here it's written, B'Sefer HaTorah HaZeh. Okay, Rashi. B'Sefer HaTorah HaZeh. Ulamala Amar, above, back in Kisavoy, it says, B'Sefer HaTorah HaZos. It says over there, in the Sefer HaTorah HaZos. Gam kolcholi v'chol maka. Now, Rashi kind of quotes the Pasuk backwards because he's emphasizing not the words gam koholi v'cholmaka, but really he's emphasizing the words v'sefer atzeiro hazos. So he puts that first. So Rashi says hazos, the word hazos, lashon nekeba. This is a feminine expression, a feminine form of the word musav al hatzeiro. It is literally turned upon, it is referring to the Torah. When we say the Sefer HaTorah HaZos, in the book of this Torah, not some other Torah. The word Torah can, uh, can refer to, to other teachings, uh, but no, we're talking here about the Sefer HaTorah HaZos, in the book of this teaching, of this Torah, of Torah's Moshe. Hazeh, now Rashi continues when it says Hazeh here in Hazinu, L'shain Zohar, this is a masculine expression, it's a masculine form, Musab Allah Sefer, it is turned, turning towards, it is referring to the word Hasefer. Here in Parshas Nitzavim, you read it as follows, the Sefer HaTorah Hazeh, the words Besefer HaTorah are like hyphenated, it's the Sefer HaTorah, the book of the Torah, Hazeh, this one, not some other Sefer HaTorah, 
this Sefer Atero. Masha'in uh, Kane, by contrast, in Parshas Kisavai, uh, it's the Sefer in the book Hatero Hazois of this Torah. Now Rashi continues. While Yudei Pisukatamim, through the what he calls the Pisukatamim, the cutting of the Tamim, the the way that the the note, the cantillation notes uh, show us how to to chant the, the words. The two uh, phrases are split into two distinct phrases. The parsha's klolis, in the parsha of klolis, meaning in kisavai, hatipcha nekuda tachas hasefer. The tipcha, which is this little mark under the word besefer, is placed under the word besefer. Now, let's learn a little bit about Tame HaMikra, just a, a little a little piece. The Tame HaMikra are not merely uh, musical notes. That's not really their function. We think of that, we think of them as that, but really the Tame HaMikra are a form of punctuation. The Tame HaMikra tell us when to continue from one word to the next and when to pause at the end of a word and then pause for a moment before moving on to the next step. It's like a, it's like a a system of commas and semicolons and periods. They are of various strengths and weights, but it, there are essentially two kinds of Tame HaMikra. There are two categories. There are the, what the uh, commentators call the Misharsim, the servants. The servants lead up to the king. In other words, keep going. You went to the deputy prime minister, now you keep going to the prime minister. And then there is another category of Tamim, which are called, which are called Malachim. They are the kings. The, when you get to the king, you stop. You don't go any farther than the king. That's the end of your journey. I like to translate in English. There are the stoppers and there they are the continuers. Some of the Tamim tell us to keep going. Some of the Tamim tell us stop. Now the Tipcha is a stopper. It's a mild stopper, a small stop but it's a stopper. So if we look in the Pasek, in Parshas Kisavai, what Rashi calls the Parshas HaKlolais, it's the Sefer Hatay Rahazos, the Sefer Pause Hatay Rahazos in the book of this Torah. So Rashi continues. The words Hatay Rahazos are connected to each other because the Tam under Hatay is called a Munach, and then the next one is called an asnachta. The munach pushes you forward, and the asnachta is a rest. It's a king. So again, it's the sefer, pause, hatera hazos, the book of this Torah. The Rashi continues, lefikach omar hazos. Therefore, it says hazos, because since Torah is going together with the word for this, so when you say this in reference to the Torah, you have to say hazos. You have to use the feminine form. The Khan, but here, says Rashi, in Parshas Nitzavim, HaTipcha Nesuna Tachas HaTorah. The Tipcha is placed under the word HaTorah. You should pause after the word HaTorah. So Nimsa, it comes out, it is found, Sefer Torah, Nevukim Zelazet. The two words, Sefer HaTorah, are glued together. They are connected one to another. It's Sefer HaTorah HaZeh. They are hyphenated. It's like one word. In the book of the Torah, this one, 
this book of the Torah. Therefore, a Lashen Zohar, therefore, a masculine um, adjective comes after it. Because the word is falling, it is referring to the word Sefer, which is masculine. So, again, in summary, here in Parshas Nitzavim, well, let's go in the order that the Psukim appear. In Parshas Kisavai, it says, the Sefer in the book, pause, HaTorah Which book? The book of this Torah. Whereas in Parshas Nitzavim, we also read the Pasuk, the Sefer HaTorah, in the Sefer Torah. Hazet, this one. Okay. This is what Rashi says. What is this teaching us? What, what is the point? Why do the Ta'amim distinguish between these two phrases? And as I said before, the Ta'amim are not merely, uh, they're not merely about how to sing the Pasuk. They are about how to punctuate the Pasuk. And they are not random. They are the Gemara in Nidorim, Meseches Nidorim, Daflam at Zion, says that they are Misenai. They are part of the, the Torah Shabal Peh that Moshe Rabbeinu received at Har Sinai, that this is how you are to punctuate the Pasuk, at least Alpi Pshat. Alpi Drush Remesh Vesod, according to other, perhaps more profound ways of explaining the Torah, you could put the punctuation marks in different places. But Alpi Pshat, you follow the piece of Katamba. That's how you read the Torah, according to Pshat, according to the simple primary meaning. So why? Do, do, do the Ta'amim, the Ta'amim Mikra, why do they distinguish between these two phrases? I'd like to discuss two answers to this question. Maskel the David explains as follows. He says in Parshas Ki Savai, there was no such thing at that time called Sefer HaTorah. The Torah had not yet been completely written. As HaKadosh Baruch Hu would give to Moshe Rabbeinu new parshias, as he would teach him new, new uh, sections of the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu would write them down in a sort of a temporary record book, but it was not called Sefer HaTorah. And certainly, as Moshe Rabbeinu uh, was giving his speech, his great Sefer Devarim speech, the whole Sefer Devarim, is essentially one long speech from Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, it was not all written down at once. I mean, certainly not the whole thing was not written down the, the moment that he started. And so therefore, there was no such entity called a Sefer Torah as we know it today. However, says the Maskele David, Harshis Nitzavim was stated, as Rashi says in the first Pasuk in the Parsha, what Moshe Rabbeinu tells us in Parsha's Nitzavim, what he, the, this account that he gathered the people and he spoke to them and he said, Atem Nitzavim, when did he do it? He did it on the last day of his life. And he knew it was the last day of his life. Therefore, essentially, the Sefer Torah was finished. Although, I mean, you have to get to the end of this Parsha, and Azino uh, and, and the Zaysabracha, but basically, it, all in one day, by the end of the day, there was an entity called Sefer Hatorah. 
And with this, Maskell David explains the difference between the two psukim. In Parshish Kisavai, when there was not yet such a thing called Sefer Atayra, so it doesn't refer to such a thing called Sefer Atayra. It refers to Bisefer in the book, Hatayro Hazais, in the book that contains this teaching. It's not called Sefer Hatayra. It's called the book which contains these teachings, all of the contains all of these teachings that Akadish Borahu has been giving to has been giving given giving to Mesh Rabbeinu since he stood on Har Sinai and he has continued to teach it to him. There is some machlaikis about how much was given on Sinai and how much was merely reviewed later on, or maybe it was given for the first time later on. That's I don't think relevant to this point. But the point is certainly that as B'nai Yisrael stayed in the Midbar, day by day, week by week, month by month, Kodesh Baruch Hu was giving more and more Torah, was teaching more and more Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he was writing it down in a Sefer. We don't call that a Sefer Torah yet. If you would take, if you could find that Sefer and bring it to Shul, you wouldn't be allowed to read from it in Shul, or Kriya Torah. It's not a Sefer Torah. It's not complete. So there was no such thing as a Sefer Torah. There was a Sefer Hatero Hazais. There was a book, pause, which contained this teaching, the teachings of God to Moshe Rabbeinu. But in Parshas Nitzavim, where we are standing on the day of Moshe Rabbeinu's Petira, now already there is such an entity called the Sefer Hatero. So Moshe Rabbeinu says that if somebody will brazenly go and do a Vedazorah, so he will be subject to the kol aloy sabris, to all of the curses of the covenant, haksuvo, which are written, the Sefer HaTorah hazeh. In this Sefer HaTorah, he's holding on to this, holding on to the Sefer Torah, and he's saying, listen, you do about the Zara, what it says in this Sefer HaTorah is going to fall on your head. That's how the Mask of the David explains the difference between the two There is another comment in a sefer called Zichrein Moshe, one of the lesser known super commentaries on Rashi, but like many of the lesser known super commentaries, it was written by a, by a great Talmud Chacham and it is uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes you find things in some of these lesser known super commentaries that you don't find in the others. So it's a, a very useful, a very good sefer to look at. Uh, the Zichrein Moshe was written by a Rabbi Moshe Halperin, 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 who was a Talmud of the Maharshal in the Ramah. The Sefer was first printed in the year 1611. And the Sefer Zichrein Moshe explains as follows. If we look at Parshiski Sabai, when it says, Gam kol every sickness and every plague, every wound, which is not written, the Sefer Atayrazais in the book of this Torah. The word Kosuv is, is referring, well, Kosuv or Lo Kosuv, Lo Kosuv, is referring back to Kolmaka and Kolchali. Every sickness and every Maka, which is not written, meaning the Choli and the Maka, explains the author of Zichron Moshe. Since the word kosuv is referring to these illnesses and these plagues, Moshe Rabbeinu 
the author of the Torah, the Kodesh Baruch Hu, how would the, it's not, uh, it's kind of both together at this point, that's not our issue, but the author of the Torah didn't want to say that the Choli and the Maka are written in the Sefer Torah. Instead, he said they are written in the Sefer. They're written in a book. Which book? Parenthetically, which book? You want to go to the library and find the book? It's the book of of this teaching, of this Torah. But the but Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to say, didn't want to let those words out of his mouth that Kolcholi Maka are in the Sefer HaTorah. However, in Parashas Nitzavim, he didn't have that problem. Why? Because it says here that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take this person who did Avodah Zarah in this brazen, very intentional fashion, and he will separate him from all of the tribes of Israel, kachol alois habris, according to all of the curses of the covenant, haksuva, which is written. What is written? Habris. Not alois. Alois is plural. Suva is singular. So the word suva, though it, that it is written, is not referring to the alois. It's referring to the bris, to the covenant. So the 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 alois, uh, the curses of the bris of the covenant, which covenant? Haksuva, the covenant which is written. And now Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have a problem saying the Sefer Atayrah in this Sefer Atayrah. Of course, there's a bris written in the Sefer Atayrah. Bris is a very good thing. A bris means there's a promise. Yes, there are consequences to that promise, but there are also lots of good things. There are there are. Uh, there are good consequences also, even without consequences. To have a bris with, with, with God, that's a very wonderful thing. That indicates a very, a very deep and close relationship, regardless of what exactly it says. Just the fact that there is some sort of a bris. I don't have any covenant with the, with the president of the United States. I'm not important enough. Certainly not a personal covenant. As a citizen, I have certain rights, but I don't have a personal deal with, with the president. Klal Yisrael has a personal deal with the Rebbeinu Shalom. That's, that's a very good thing. That's a very positive thing. And therefore, explains the Zichron Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu had no problem saying the breeze which is written in the Sefer HaTorah. Which Sefer HaTorah? This Sefer HaTorah. We see here, I think, from the comment of the Zichron Moshe, an idea, which we see in other places also. I think there's more here than just a, a sort of a euphemism. It's more than just a uh, subtlety of polite speech here. When he says that since the word chasuv in Parshas Kisavai is referring to the Choli and the Maka, so... Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to say that the Choli and the Maka are written in the Sefer HaTorah. Okay, it's a nicety of speech. Not to say that there is a Choli and a Maka in the Sefer HaTorah. But I think it's really more than that. And what it is telling us is that really, when we look at things in a, in a profound way, there are no curses of the Torah. Or whatever, Whenever the Torah says, if you don't do this, I'm going to give it to you over the head in this it's all preventable. It doesn't have to happen. 
And in fact, that is the halacha, which Rashi mentions in, in Parsha Shoftim, that if a Navi comes and says something terrible is going to happen and it doesn't happen, that's not a question on the Navi. That, no, that's not, a, that's not a kashi on the Navi. Why didn't it happen? Promises for bad from a Navi of a Kodesh Baruch Hu are always on condition that you continue to misbehave. If you change your behavior, if you do tshuva, null and void. And more than that, when the Torah mentions certain very harsh consequences, they can be interpreted differently. They can be interpreted positively. There's a very interesting Gemara in Masechus Brochus, Stavnon Vav. Now, this is near the end of the Masechta in the parak called Haraya, which talks about dreams, dream interpretation. Now, I am... I'm no expert on this. I've, I've read through the Gemara, I've read through the Perik, or Hashem, I finished Mesech the Brachas once upon a time. I can't say that I that I can explain to you Chazal's attitude towards dream interpretation in any systematic fashion. But we see something here in this Gemara, which is very relevant to what we're talking about here. Let's read a little piece of Gemara. It says here, Barhadya, there was a person named Barhadya, he was an interpreter of dreams. That was his profession. Someone who would give him a reward, someone who would pay him. So he would interpret to him uh, for good. He would give him a good interpretation, a, a, a desirable interpretation. And someone who would not give to him a reward, someone who would not pay him or not pay him enough. So he would interpret for him for bad. And the Gemara tells us that it so happened once. Abaya Barava, Chazu Chalma, the two great sages, Abaya and Rava, they once saw a dream. Abaya Yehivle Zuza. Abaya went to Bahadi and he gave him a Zuz, he gave him a dollar bill. But Rava, Lo Yehivle, Rava did not give to him. So Amrile, and they both said to this Bahadya, Akrin and Bechelman, they read to us in our dream the following Pasuk. It is a pasuk in Parshas Kisavai, Shorcha Tavuach Leinecha. Let's just see the full pasuk. It's uh, quoted over here. Shorcha Tavuach Leinecha, Veloy Seichal Mimeno. Your ox will be slaughtered in front of you, and you will not be able to eat from it. Well, it doesn't sound very good. It sounds like the enemy is coming, and they're they're plundering your property, and they're slaughtering your your cattle, and you're not going to get any steaks. Let's see how Barhadya interpreted it. So the Rava, to Rava, who did not give any money for the interpretation, Amale, he said to him, Psid iskach, your business will fail, your investments will fail, and you won't be able to eat anything, meaning you'll have a total lack of appetite, from the sadness of your heart. You'll be so brokenhearted, you won't have an appetite to eat anything. The Abaya Amale, but to Abaya, who had given him money, Barhadya said, Marvach iskach, your business will profit. You won't want to eat because of the happiness of you. You'll be happy, you'll be dancing, you'll be jumping so much, you won't even think about eating. And they continued. Amrile, they said to him, Akrinon, we read in a, we, they read to us in a dream, Banim uvanois toilid, that uh, sons and daughters, you will 
you will bear, you will father. And the end of the Pasuk says, um, they will not be for you, that you will not have them, because they will go in captivity. So, again, Barhadya has a different interpretation based on how much you paid him. Lurova, to Rava, who did not give him any money, he said to him, according to the bad interpretation, which is the, the simple meaning. That's terrible. Your children will be taken captive. Labaya, to Abaya, he said, your sons and daughters will be very many. You'll have a lot of sons and daughters. And your daughters will get married to the world, meaning to other families. And it will seem in your, in your face, in your eyes, as if they have been captured. But really, this is a wonderful bracha. You're going to have a lot of children. And they're all going to find Shaduchim. They're all going to get married. And one more, Akarian. And then they said to him that they read to us in our dream, Your sons and your daughters will be given over to another nation. Now, before we continue, until here, one might say that this Bahadya is nothing but a charlatan. It just depends how much money you give him. If you give him, give him some money, he'll explain the Pasuk according to its simple and very negative meaning. And if you slip, uh, that's if you don't give him money. And if you give him money, he'll make up a lie. He'll, 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 he will explain the Pasuk in a crooked way. And he'll tell you that really it means it's a blessing. However, pay attention to the next few lines of Gemara. Akaryan, they read to us in our dream. Your sons and your daughters are given over to and will be given over to another nation. Sounds like not such a good thing. The Abaya, so to Abaya, who gave the money, Amarle, he said, Your sons and daughters will be very numerous. Atamar to the Krivoch. You're going to say, you're going to suggest that they get married to your relatives, their cousins, second cousins, etc. The Hiyamra, and she, your wife, is going to say, no, let's marry them off to my relatives. And she will overturn you. She will rule. And you will give your sons and daughters over to your wife's family to marry. It'll be like they're part of a different nation. They're now going to be they're part of a different tribe, a different family, a different clan. Not so bad. But still, he's going to have a lot of children. They're all going to find Shidduchim. The Rava, however, to Rava, who did not pay anything for the service, Omar Lay, he said to him, he interpreted the Pasuk as follows. Debisu Shriva, your wife is going to die. Ba'asu bane uvnasei And her sons and her daughters that she bore for you, are going to go into the hands of a different woman. They're going to go into the hands of the evil stepmother. It's unfortunate for the children. They're not going to be raised by their own mother, meaning the, the, the husband, okay, he's going to marry someone else, but it's a shame for the children. Now, the Gemara continues. The Amar Rabba, Amar Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba, because Rabba said in the name of Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba, Amar Rav, who said in the name of Rav, 
What is the meaning of this Pasek? The same Pasek. They asked, what is the meaning of this Pasek? In Parashas Kisavai, your sons and daughters will be given over to another nation. This refers to the wife of the father, meaning there were a father and a mother. They, they had some children. Unfortunately, the mother died. And who ends up taking care of the children? The Aisha Sa'ab, the father's new wife. Now, what we see from this last piece of Gemara is that Barhadya was not merely making up ridiculous interpretations and totally untrue interpretations of the Psukim. We see the same interpretation that Barhadya gave to Abaya. That's the interpretation that was given by the great Rab, by the great Amoira, the great sage named Rab. We see here that the qualis in the Torah can be brachis. Kaddish Baruch Hu does not want to curse us. If we, if we insist, it will happen. But if we insist on not, if we insist on doing tshuva, we insist on going in the right path in the first place. Kaddish Baruch Hu is not interested in punishing us. He is not interested in cursing us. And even the way the, the, the Sefer Zichron Moshe explains, even to put the word Choliumaka, even to say that those words are in the Sefer Atzerah, Meshur Rabbeinu twisted his words a little bit so as not actually to utter those words.